Uh, just before we begin here, am I on? Let's see. Yeah, okay. Uh, does, any, does anybody need a handout? Everybody got one? Need a couple handouts? A few? Oh, if it, we have, a, I've got a page in here for notes. We're going to try to have this a little more interactive. If you also want a pin while uh, Richard's coming around, um, go ahead and let him know. We'll get pins to you as well. Uh, one note is don't be too over, overwhelmed by the outline. We're not going to hit every single point in here. Uh, as we walk through this, we're going to highlight some of the verses that are in here, but I, I went ahead and put all the verses that were in our Constitution uh, in here. So just a heads up. Don't think we're going to be here till 5 o'clock. All right, let's go ahead and... Uh, Ask the Lord's help upon our time this afternoon. Lord, we thank you for uh, your kindness to us today uh, as we continue to gather and lift up the name of Christ as our only hope and for salvation. We thank you for the great opportunity it is to revel in these truths together as a body of, of believers. We thank you even that the law that we discussed in our catechism time has been a tutor to us, has taught us of our very need of a Savior. Uh, we see, Lord, Your holiness contained in the Ten Commandments. Uh, we, we know that as they come down to us, uh, as they are preserved in Your Word, Lord, that they are a reflection of who You are and Your character. And Lord, we thank You for these wonderful privileges, even though it is a, uh, it is a difficult thing to come to... Uh, grasp with that we are in dire need and in um, a bad state as sinners, as sons of Adam, before you and before your word. But we thank you for the wonderful truth um, that we get to cling to this afternoon as a people, knowing that Christ has come, fulfilled all things on our behalf. Lord, we confess that we struggle uh, to live in the light of such truths that we confess them and we know them and we believe them, but Lord, we need more faith. We need more trust in Christ, more trust in your word. And Lord, we pray that as we gather in your name today, as we consider uh, the study before us, as we consider your word, Lord, that you would be uh, faithful to us to continue to shape, and shape us and fashion us into your likeness, Lord, that we would think your thoughts after you, and Lord, that we would be a people that bring great uh, glory to your name. Lord, we ask for your help in Christ's name. Amen. So as we begin, I want to take some time this afternoon to review uh, an introductory uh, section of our Constitution. The section I want to review is our purpose. It's Article 3. And my hope is to review some foundational things as a congregation, remind us of our overall direction, and get us to think about ways uh, that we can use our times, our energy, our talents all together uh, to labor in the work of the gospel ministry. We have been entrusted with uh, a great work, and I want to encourage us to continue in it. Part of my aim is to hold before us our purpose as a church so that we will be reminded of the high calling that we have, 
the many labors that we can give ourselves to that are good labors, even the best labors. And we as members of Christ Church, uh, we actually have an opportunity to, to participate in excellent things, excellent things that are actually even too high for us. Uh, but in God's abundant grace, He has allowed us and ordained for us to be participants in His work in time and space on this earth for His kingdom purposes. And uh, right now there are people, countless people, all over the face of this planet, no doubt walking aimlessly. Some of them know it. Some of them don't know it. Uh, Some may not seem to be aimless as they seem to have a clear direction. But on the last day, our works will be evaluated. And the hands, uh, the works of our hands, the accomplishments of everybody uh, that do things not in faith for God, of course, will be burned up on that last day. The works that we get to put our hands to as Christians and specifically in the work of the gospel community that we find ourselves in in the church, these things will pass through the fire. And we can know that and we can give ourselves to them knowing that on that day there will be things that last eternally. Um, and it will prove not only to be a good, a good use of our resources and time, but have eternal consequences as well. Uh, every single member of a Christian church has a vital role to pay, play in a very crucial work. We have a vital role to play in a very crucial work. Uh, well, I'm not quite at the handout yet. We'll get to that part when, I, when we read the section on the Constitution. But just some introduction here. Our vital role is unique to each and every one of us. The Lord has equipped us in ways that He has not quit, equipped others in the congregation uh, we are able to employ our gifts, or to not employ our gifts, uh, would be to rob the church of something that can be used for her benefit uh, to flourish and to grow. We all have unique gifts that we can, we can give to the work of the gospel ministry. Um, the work of the local body of believers is the work of spreading God's glory through the earth, and of course, that is a crucial work. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ has ordained the local church with her office bearers and her members as the chief means of building the kingdom of God here on earth. The keys of the kingdom have not been granted to any other institution on earth. There is no other place. There should not be uh, civil councils. There should be not civil magistrates that do the things that the local church does. The local church recognizes and affirms believers the local church recognizes and baptizes believers. The local church is the one uh, with her officers that, uh, al- that partakes in the breaking of bread and in communion with one another. Those are things that are unique to the local Christian church. And that is very unique and crucial on the face of this earth. Um, I was mentioning to a brother earlier that really the the Christian church in my early years uh, as a Christian didn't really mean that much to me. Uh, It was a place primarily of sermon intake. And we can probably many of us can relate to that thinking I'm going to go to church to be fed, right? I'm going to go hear this sermon. And that was like what the church was all about. Um, that, that really seemed to be the primary thing for me for a long time. It was, it was almost like, for lack of a better term, it was like a, a gumball machine with, a, with an assortment of different sermons in it. I could drop in a quarter. I could get out my sermon. I could chew on that for as long as it would last. I'd come back next week for the next one. 
the, the, the purpose of the church really didn't matter to me. It was just really about sermons, sermons, sermons. I want to hear what the preacher has to say. Um, but I, as I've studied the scriptures and I've been a part of a gospel ministry, I've realized that it is uh, so much more than that. The church is a place uh, of more than just mere sermon consumption, but a place for, and, and not only for a place uh, for lost people to hear the gospel, but the Christian church is an assembly of people. It's an assembly of God's people who are covered by the blood of Christ and committed to one another in the building up of the church, uh, which is a, certainly a people and not a place. So as we look at this section in our Constitution, we're going to dive in this afternoon, give it a read through. Uh, we're going to walk through some of the verses uh, that support some of the statements that are made in our Constitution. And as we do so, we're going to discuss some of these things and hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to kind of open it up in an informal way instead of questions and answers kind of thing at the end. We're just going to have open discussion. Uh, I'm not going to have, send the mic around. I'll try to uh, repeat anything that's essential uh, so that anybody listening online can hear. Uh, but that's how we're going to do it today. And um, I, I hope that we can have sort of, sort of a time to think about these things, brainstorm together, think of what we are doing currently in our own lives as believers, as members of Bethany, and to discuss ways that we can improve these things, things that we can do better, things that we can do together. And that, so that's one of my main objections. And, and I thought before we opened up and read this section from the Constitution on our purpose, I thought it would be good just to open up with, this, with one simple question of, we have a confession, right? Uh, we, have a, we confess uh, the Second London, or the 1689, as our confession of faith. Uh, but we also have another document. That other document is called the Constitution. So uh, does anybody want to take a stab at thinking through what is the difference between a confession and a constitution? Uh, what, we know that the confessional, the confessional, the confession is more, I've been talking too much about Rome today with you guys, uh, is, is about our doctrinal statements, right? Uh, what is our constitution? Church governance, Church governance yep. So it deals with the governance of our church. Any other thoughts? What else does the Constitution deal with? Or what's another way to state that? Or what do you think? I'm okay with silence, so I'll just... It doesn't, it doesn't bug me. Any other thoughts? Nope. Yeah, he wants to raise his hand. Okay, yeah. So it really does have to do with a lot of our structure. Like we definitely, we confess as a church, the Second London, as a document, and we say this is what we believe the Bible uh, teaches about this. Well, the, the Constitution is going to be, well, how do we order ourselves in light of those truths, right? Um, what is a pastor? Uh, things like that. Who is, who are the people, or what is the person that elects a pastor, or votes in a pastor? How do we do that? It's really some of the structures of, of what we have in place. Uh, we don't just show up here on a Sunday and kind of try to figure those things out. Um, it's not a, it's not a good thing to do. If you're reinventing the wheel every single Sunday, uh, you need to have some structure and some order. Uh, there was a time and place. Where as a new believer, if I was sitting in that pew right now hearing a pastor say these very things, my skin would be crawling. 
to be quite honest with you, like, oh, we need some, we need a document that has structure. Uh, but isn't isn't the New Testament church something that's spiritual? Um, so uh, if you find yourself at all in that place, I can relate. I know what you're talking about, but or I, I can relate to what you're thinking. But um, there is good. We won't get to open up all these things today, but there is a good reason that we don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, we have inherited a very rich uh, tradition. I used to have an aversion to that word too, uh, but there are good traditions, ones that are actually biblical. And we're all going to have traditions. The question is whether it's going to be a biblical tradition or a man-made one. So uh, with that, we'll open up. We'll read this section. Again, this is the purpose of the church. Article 3 of our Constitution. You'll find that here in your handout. The purpose of this church is to glorify the God of Scriptures in promoting His worship, evangelizing sinners, edifying saints, spreading and strengthening the church, and showing benevolence to the needy, and doing so within the context of uh, of also providing for their spiritual needs. Therefore, we are committed to the proclamation through through all the world of the whole counsel of God, His perfect, holy, just, and good law, the glorious gospel of His grace, and to the defense of the faith once for all delivered unto the saints." Second section, the primary methods and means for the accomplishment of this purpose are prayer and the public and private ministry of the Word of God. So as we begin here and we think about the purpose of the church, we have this big overarching statement. The purpose of this church is to glorify the God of the Scriptures. And we can... um, I've said this in times past. I'll continue to say it. We can think that sometimes these truths are so elementary that we need to pass over them. But actually, if we continue to pass over the elementary truths or the foundational truths, uh, what's in our Constitution won't mean anything one day. We'll be drifting away from it. And this church will stand for something that is not in the... It'll stand for something, but not what we find in our Constitution. So it is essential that we give ourselves to these things, keep them before us. Um, the purpose of this church is to glorify the God of the Scriptures. Ephesians 3.21 The chief end of mankind is to glorify God. And it's no different for this body of believers. Uh, our Constitution roots this in the passage Ephesians 3.20 You have that here, there in your handout. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is to be glorified in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. This really, it gives us a clear aim, right? Pretty clear aim. We're not left guessing what our aim is. The Bible has actually instructed us not only on what a church is, but what her goal is and what her aim is. Uh, We are not needing to invent these plans. We're to find them as prescribed to us in the Scriptures. God is to be glorified through the Lord Jesus Christ in His church from generation to generation until the return of Christ, until He comes back for His bride. And His his return will not end that purpose altogether, but it will change uh, how this is going to be achieved as the removal of the curse is fully and finally brought in, a very welcome change, and there's a, there's, a, there's a transition in redemptive history. 
from being the church militant right to the church triumphant, to the church actually having uh, the fullness of what we have been promised. So that is an overarching thing. It's really uh, somewhat of the what that we're to be doing to be accomplished by the church. And we move on in this Article 3 of our Constitution to some of the how we are supposed to be bringing glory to God in the congregation. And so that next section is these five things that we find. Promoting His worship, evangelizing sinners, edifying saints, um, spreading and strengthening the church, showing benevolence to the needy, uh, both physically and spiritually. So first, promoting his worship. We're gonna the the uh, passages that we most of the passages that we're gonna read are gonna be the ones with asterisks in your in your outline there. Um, so promoting his worship, John four twenty four twenty five. Uh, but the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship. In spirit and in truth. Second verse we're going to look at is 1 Peter 2.5. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the Father is seeking worshipers. What? In spirit and in truth, right? Uh, There is evidence of that happening in our midst today. Uh, we are not in Jerusalem, right, today. We're in Stockton, California, and here we are gathered together as God's people. That time and place has come where uh, we are not worshiping in, on one specific mountain, but all over the face of the earth. We see the gospel uh, starting to permeate um, the world. The Lord wants His creation to give Him honor and praise. And we are to live and enjoy His grand creation, not apart from Him, but in Him. We are to enjoy His creation. The creation is not evil, right? The creation is good. He created a good creation. But we are to enjoy it in light of Him. And so the world, for the most part, has no issues enjoying what God has created. The problem comes in in enjoying it in light of Him being the creator and the maker. And that's where our promoting of His worship comes in, right? There are people all over our town, all over our communities, who are walking in the face of this planet, enjoying all of God's gift, Gifts, breathing God's good air, enjoying all these things, but not worshiping the God who's given them all. In, in fact, they are in, uh, in constant defiance against Him. And that's where our promoting of our worship comes in. Um, they enjoy creation. Some of the world enjoys creation um, apart from the Creator, which is to um, partake in idolatry. And uh, that's some of what we are trying to uh, uh, minister in light of in promoting His worship. Old Covenant, there was a physical temple to build. In the New Covenant, we, um, uh, we don't have a specific land like they had, but no doubt there is a temple to be built. And that is through promoting the worship of our great and awesome God. And we move on to the second point, evangelizing sinners. Matthew 18, 28, 18 through 20, very familiar passage, right? Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Amen. I forgot to say the amen before I took a sip of water. Uh, let's jump to the, that next passage that you, you have marked in your outline. Uh, 1 Timothy. Uh, we will read both the 1, uh, 2, 1, 5, and 3.15. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. 3.15 But if I am delayed, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, We know in Scripture uh, that uh, in this area of evangelizing sinners that we have a great commission. We have a great calling not only, um, and not only that as Christians, but we have a context that we find ourselves in, and that is the American context. We have so many resources uh, at our fingertips that it is insane. Uh, We are the riches of the richest of the rich when it comes to the Christian church. Uh, we have more Bibles than we can number. We have more resources written in English than we know. Uh, we have tons of resources at our fingertip to be doing this very work. Uh, there are many Christians all over the face of the earth that are scrapping, scraping to get by just on a daily basis, right? Just trying to get hand, living hand to mouth and doing all that they can just to make sure that they have clothes on their back, to make sure they have food on their table, to make sure they have a roof over their head. And uh, that is not our context that we find ourselves in. And um, we find ourselves uh, in our context, in a place in America where it's, it's even, it's interesting, we find ourselves in a place where there's many people who profess to be Christians, but that do really want nothing to do with a local church. And... Um, I'm going to tie this into evangelizing sinners, but uh, we should be able to be those as Christians that can say, this is my pastor, these are my fellow brothers, sis- brothers and sisters in Christ in more than just a general, universal way. And of course, many of us know that and believe that here in this congregation. We should belong to chur- a church in such a way that when we are absent from the gathering, it actually matters or it's noticed or it means something to not be present. Uh, this is God's good design for us and should be what we are embracing instead of fighting and kicking against it. There was a time when I did that. Uh, if a brother wrongs you and is unrepentant in his sin, brother or sister, there ought to be elders in a congregation that it can be brought to. And if someone's version of Christianity doesn't account for these things, uh, this community living in such a way that we have this, well, then that person's view or idea of Christianity really needs to be reshaped to a biblical uh, worldview. And that reshaping of that is in part evangelizing, right? Because we see that we're to teach the whole counsel of God, not just a portion of it. And when we speak of teaching the whole counsel of God, that doesn't mean that that, that it's the job of the pastor to preach Genesis to Revelation. There's, there's truth to that. There's part of that. But when we are teaching the, when we are evangelizing, when we are making disciples, we are to teach the whole counsel of God. 
And so that means what God's have, word has to say to them in every area of their life, including how they treat the local church, whether they're a part of one or not. So in ma- making disciples, there are various stages depending on where they're coming from. Uh, but one thing is sure is that it does not stop with conversion, right? Conversion is a first step in the disciple making. You can't have a disciple of Christ without conversion. You can start moving somebody along that path if they want to study the Bible, but they haven't really stepped into it until they come to know Christ. But it doesn't stop there. When someone is born again, they need to be baptized and added to a church. Uh, When they are baptized, they need to join in in the breaking of bread and praying with one another. When they are joining in communion and they are doing that, they need to be contributing to the needs of others in the congregation. And um, they need to be added to a Christian community and living in such a way that they are in one accord with their fellow disciples of Christ. That is what successful evangelism looks like. So every time and every context has its own circumstances uh, that cause for a climate in which we are to minister. In our climate, we have just like every other climate, avowed atheists, right? We have postmodern types where everyone wants to make their own truth and define their, de, um, define their own truth. We have cults, right? Um, false versions of religion, false versions of Christianity. Uh, many of these things are common to other times and places. Uh, but one of the primary mission fields and areas that we have on top of those Uh, in our context today, is the nominal professing Christian. Also, we have the professing Christian that is malnourished and is being starved, and it is in a place that they call a church, but really really, doesn't really constitute a church. Uh, We need to remember that uh, these last two categories are active areas for ministry. Uh, These people are either either self-deceived by others, Um, or others have aided them in their self-deception and are in need of Christ, or they are sheep that that are starving and need to be brought into a true, loving Christian church. And that is not to say that, hey, look, if somebody is in our town and they're not a part of Bethany, they need to be part of Bethany, or they're not part of a Christian church. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But what I am saying is there is, is such a thing as a context of a Christian church, and there are places that call themselves Christian churches that don't really constitute it. Um, So I know that from my own experience, I have grown weary in some of these latter categories. I've had those conversations over and over with professing believers, and I tend to think that I know the outcome. They don't want to be part of a healthy church. They don't want to be part of a place that is what I find all my joy in as being a part of a, of a believer. And I can, I can not seek out those conversations. Uh, it's difficult. There are difficult conversations, but that is part of um, our mission field at times. And so at this point, I wanted to think about that together as a congregation, open this part out just for some discussion. We've got this spot and then at least one more that I wanted to do that. But think through how do we evangelize as members of Bethany Baptist? And just talk about some of the things that we do uh, accomplish or some of the things that ways that we do minister to others and think of other ways that we could minister that we aren't currently ministering to others. So I'm going to open it up to the floor and think through these things with you guys. What, what are some ways that we currently evangelize or could be evangelizing people around us?
Yep. Mm -hmm. So living a good testimony before others, watching what you say and how you say it. Yep, that's important, right? We destroy our testimony and our chance for evangelism a lot of times by uh, not living Christ-like. Uh, one good thing about that is that as we fail in that, we can actually also still show Christ like this in owning our sin, right? It's not that, um, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer on a construction site and I'm the one that never, ever positively says anything that can constitute anything remotely close to a swear word. Um, Christians on job sites, they do make mistakes and they do swear. The question is now, how do we deal with that? You know, do we just keep, keep doing that? Or do we tell them, hey, I shouldn't be talking like that. I'm a Christian, and I'm sorry. Uh, maybe it didn't offend you, but I shouldn't be talking like that. You know, there's ways to pick up the pieces and move forward. So not, not all is lost when we make mistakes. What are other ways besides, um, you know, maintaining good testimony uh, that, we are, that we can be giving ourselves to evangelism? Whether that be home, workplace, in the church, outside the church, whatever. Bless you to the silent sneeze. You should let that out. What are some other ways? What are some current ways that you know that members of Bethany are evangelizing? Yep, Stephanie. Yep. That's right. Is that a primary place for uh, evangelizing in gospel ministry? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult one. Yes. I'll, I'll, yep. So evangelizing our children in our homes. Uh, primary calling for uh, moms and dads, right? What are some other ways? Yep, Mary. Yeah, so just living out your Christian marriage uh, before people that are in your home, whether it be children or not. Yeah. And then giving an answer for some of these things, right? Sometimes the things that we do to outsiders seem very strange. Why does your wife uh, treat you like that or not treat you like that? Why do you address your children like that? Why did you say that you'll be disciplined if you, you know, there's just a thousand ways to just honestly live our Christian life before the watching world and use those opportunities. Um, sometimes we shy away from those opportunities when we're not at our best, right? Uh, because we think, well, there's a long conversation. I don't have time for it. Sometimes that happens and we blow it. It happens. What, what are some other current ways that Bethany, members of Bethany are, are evangelizing the lost? Yeah? yeah. So going out to public places and sharing the gospel. Um, going out to the abortion clinic uh, where people are in dire need of the gospel. It's evident by their works going out to a college campus, right? And uh, spreading the gospel there. Other, other thoughts? They might have stepped out. You can talk to her. She's gone. Talk about her. She's gone.
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's many ways and probably there's uh, many things that if we just were to sit down with a pen and paper for 15 minutes sometime and just think through these things. Okay, we're, I need to be, we're as members of Bethany, uh, we've got some things to do, promoting worship, evangelizing sinners, ed- edifying saints, all these things, right? And think creatively. What, what am I doing? Uh, what, how many neighbor, neighbors do I have? I have four immediate neighbors. Have, any, have I ever had any of them home? Or over to my home to sit in there and, and eat with me. Uh, things like, very practical things like that. Or even, yeah, okay, well, I know this neighbor really well. We've had some good conversations. Uh, but I'm going to have uh, the Scantlings over. The Scantlings always want to come over. If you guys ever need anybody to come over, the Scantlings, yep, Cam knows. Uh, they're down, right? They are down. So let's just say you have, uh, you have, a, you have a, a, a couple that you've had some conversations, but it hasn't really gone anywhere, and you want to have a member for, members from the church over, hey, have those unbelieving neighbors over too, right? Uh, I know some of you already do that, already think that way, but that's just a very practical way. Uh, sometimes we have aunts, uncles, cousins, neighbors, whatever, that if you were to ask them, hey, would you sit down and... and uh, we've had some spiritual conversations. I, I know you're, we're not on the same page, but will you go through the gospel of Mark with me? They'll say yes. They'll say yes. And it's like, okay, well, uh, that's amazing. You know, what an awesome opportunity. And um, there's many, many, many different ways. And one of the things I just want to think about is that while we live in such an affluent uh, uh, society, we've got lots of things to distract us from these things, but we really can't uh, mess up if we're giving ourselves to the work of the the local body and uh, giving ourselves to these things. Let's move on to edifying saints. Uh, edifying saints. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Ephesians 4, 11 and 16. And he, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ." from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every, every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. There's a lot here, obviously, in thinking through edifying saints, but we shouldn't uh, forget that part of our work is our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. And uh, we see later in the caring for the needy, uh, our last section, uh, yeah, showing benevolence, uh, that there's a, a physical and a spiritual um, nature. And that's no different in edifying the saints. If we have a brother or sister that's struggling to meet uh, the basic needs of, of life, 
uh, that's not going to aid them in uh, their walk with the Lord. We need to make sure that those things are taken care of as well. But one thing I want to draw to our attention in Ephesians 4, we've talked about it before, verse 12, uh, or starting 11, and he gave, God gave uh, himself, uh, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and on and on and through that. Pastors equip the saints for what? The work of the ministry. So who is doing the work of the ministry in that passage? The body, right? We've talked about it before, but I think it bears repeating for just the simple fact that we, as American Christians, we have a very consumeristic mindset. We show up to be served, right? And... Um, that is not what the Christian church is. We're actually a gospel community who are working together to spread the glory of God through the face of the earth. And pastors happen to have the privilege to help you guys in your evangelism, in your ministering to one another. We get that privilege, which also means we are actually taken away from doing some of what you guys are able to do. Uh, there is more time and energy that uh, Kyle has had in his, in his walk and John has had um, before becoming a pastor to do some of the, that very work. It's not that it all goes away, but the main focus is that you guys as a congregation have seen, hey, these men are gifted in the gospel ministry. So let's, let, they, they excel, and we believe the Lord has called them. Let's acknowledge them as such. They're going to now, in turn, teach us to be doing the work of the ministry. The same thing that they're already doing, right? These men of God, they evangelize. They equip saints. They teach uh, believers how to walk with Christ. That's the very thing I need to be doing. But we need men who are called to be able to teach us to do those very things. So uh, we just really need to be keeping that in a mindset. A congregation is an army, a small army to evangelize our neighborhoods, to evangelize our communities. And um, uh, that also, too, is in uh, the context of the local church. We are to be um, encouraging one another in the faith as we gather together Lord's Day after Lord's Day, as we gather to pray, as we gather to sing. Uh, we're not always on the same page. Sometimes I'm discouraged when I show up here. Sometimes you're discouraged when you show up. Sometimes uh, a mom has had a hard day. Sometimes a boss has had a hard day. Sometimes an employee's had a hard day. Sometimes we need to be built up in the very word that we already know, uh, the gospel truths that we already know, but we need our brothers and sisters to be reminding us of those very things, pointing us to the way, uh, pointing us to Christ as we go along the way. Um, so one thing that's unique is to serve one person in the body is to serve the whole body. We are all one body, right? Uh, Aaron is part of the body. Nathan is part of the body. To serve a brother or a sister in Christ is to serve the whole body. We can't serve everybody, right? We cannot serve the need of every single Christian in the church, but we can serve some. And, and that's a great opportunity to serve the entirety of the church as we serve one another. How about... Um, um, how about spreading and strengthening the church next up in our uh, handout here? Acts 11, 29 through 30. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. They, this they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. 
verse, uh, Acts 11, verse 36. Then after uh, some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go, uh, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. We can see that the apostles moved between congregations, right, and encouraged uh, congregations and sought to spread the church. Has that, in, since the apostles are gone, has that ended? Is that over? Is there nobody to do that work? Or is there, are there people to do that work? Is the work of the apostles in spreading the church, uh, building churches, strengthening churches, uh, seeing churches uh, birthed, is that done away with? No, it's not done away with. Who's, who takes up that mantle? The church, right? Sometimes it's going to be focused with the, the leaders in that church. Sometimes pastors and deacons, no doubt, are going to take primary roles. But is that off your plate as a brother and sister in a congregation? No. One simple way that I can think about that is in our prayer bulletin, as we pray for our local brothers and sisters uh, at other congregations, and as we pray uh, as for them throughout the week, we have somebody designated to contact the other churches and see what they actually need, right? Pray for. So we can strengthen them that way by praying for needs that they actually have. Um, what are some other ways that we can give ourselves to the strengthening of even churches outside of our walls here? Other people's. Anything that you can think of? This one maybe take a little more creativity. Yeah. So if uh, how can we... Uh, as believers, as members of Bethany Baptist, partake in spreading and strengthening the church. And in this case, strengthening uh, other churches. Can we? Do we have a role in that? Yeah. But how? What can we do? Yeah. Yep. We can support RBS. We can support um, the work that we're uh, support to equip pastors for other Congregations. Would it be crazy to think, yeah, I know we give together congregationally, but I want to give independently to RBS. And would it be crazy to even think, you know what, I don't have the means to do that, but I'm going to figure out how to earn more money to give to RBS. Would that be crazy? It would not be crazy. Do we? I don't know that we necessarily think like that. Like we think creatively in other ways when we want things and we want to, we want to have them. We, you know, um, we figure it out, but. Uh, there's ways that we can think creatively to support gospel work that's, that strengthens and spreads the gospel throughout the earth. David first. And the, yeah. I was going to say, just like sharing materials and the same thing of not having churches uh, reinvent the wheel. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, helping other churches by having one church that's established uh, help another church that's not established in some way by supporting documents, support, supporting materials. Yep, absolutely. Yep. I was going to say by, uh, uh, by writing periodicals, uh, you know, uh, leaflets, books, mm-hmm. they correct bad doctrines. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So addressing uh, false teaching. Uh, in printed works. Absolutely. I'd be excited about that. I like printing, right? Uh, 
No, that is good. And it's something that you could give yourself to. You might, let's say you spend 20 hours writing a booklet, 40 hours writing a booklet or something. It's something that can perpetuate then. It's in book. It's in print. Um, and you can, you can actually maximize. That's why we have books, right? You can get the teaching out uh, and maximize that time that you spent. Nathan? Yep, amen. So praying for other gospel ministries. David. Memes. Yeah, good. He's on the live stream. Hi, Thaddeus. <laughs> yeah, memes. Uh, as long as they're biblically sound, right? Uh, that's why I like booklets better because they, they actually have a full thought. Uh, they start with a thesis. They defend that th- thesis. They might even deal with arguments. They have a conclusion, right? You get to convince people. Uh, I don't think Luther would have convinced many people with a 150-character tweet, right? But he could with his writings. Um, so that might even make you think, well, maybe I'll spend less time on those 150-character uh, places, and I'll spend more time where I can actually uh, have conversations that go somewhere, like the workplace or you know, whatever. Um, so did somebody else have a thought? That was that? Yeah, Karen. So sending copies of the American gospel to churches that need them, that's not a bad idea. That's a good idea. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, we definitely have gotten a lot of those out. Uh, I'm sure some have entered some pastors' hands, but I don't know that we've ever targeted uh, getting it out. Aaron? Uh, supporting missionaries and church planting works. Yep. Supporting missionaries and church planting works. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And we, um, um, oh, that triggered a thought, but I think it's gone. Yep, come. That's right. My dad would have said it was a lie. Yep. So even though it feels like we easy, we're doing it for ourselves, it actually may also be it's an investment for the church of tomorrow. Yep. So training up men uh, in the congregation for the gospel ministry uh, that they can be used here and abroad. Yep. Absolutely. And so that can take on many, many forms. Uh, there's many things that we can go on for there. Uh, number five. Showing benevolence to the needy, physically and spiritually. Romans 15, 26, and 27. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, uh, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Uh, the spiritual make, giving duties in the material, material things. Galatians 6.10 uh, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we have lots of areas there that we could think about. Uh, there's lots of opportunities in giving to the needy. Uh, one comment I'll say on this just because of our context and things I've been working through, we have to really identify what need is. Uh, 
in our context. We are in a very affluent society. Uh, we are in a place where you, ha you would have to work to starve to death. You'd have to deny things. Uh, you'd have to walk away from things to starve to death. That's not the context that the, a lot of the world finds themselves in. But it makes it a unique one for us. So there are lots of people that are just abusers of people's kindness, right? Uh, if a man doesn't work, he should not eat, right? And so in an affluent society, sometimes it's not the $2 for a hamburger. It is, let's get you to work. Let's figure out where you can, look, there's a work net down the street. Let's do this, let's do that to get you to work because you ought to not be just taking and taking and taking. Uh, that is um, something that's a reality uh, in, our, in our society, uh, no doubt. It's good to be able to say that we have enough to, that uh, nobody's really, you know, you can always walk down a street somewhere to find some food. Uh, that's a good thing. But um, at the same time, it, pr it produces other, other things to deal with. Um, so in light of seeking to, in our congregation, promote worship of God, evangelize sinners, edify saints, spreading, spread and strengthen the church, show benevolence to the needy uh, uh, physically and spiritually. We are committed to the following. This is continuing in the Constitution. Therefore, we are committed to the proclamation uh, through all the world of the whole counsel of God, his perfect and holy, just and good law, the glorious gospel of his grace. And uh, Luke 24 uh, 46 and 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jeru Jerusalem, to the whole world. And uh, carrying on that last statement that closes out uh, section one, and to the defense of the faith once and delivered for all the saints, Jude 3. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Always defending. Um, and this leads us to section two. Um, and it really is dealing with uh, accomplishing these things that we've talked about. The primary methods and means for the accomplishment of this purpose are prayer and the public and private ministry of the Word of God. So the primary methods and means for the accomplishment of this purpose are prayer and the public and private ministry of the Word of God. That uh, is not exciting to the average Christian church. Public ministry of the Word private ministry of the word, and prayer. Uh, but they are very simple things. It's the things that God has ordained to build his church throughout the ages. Uh, Acts 6.4, But we give ourselves continually to the prayer and the ministry of the word. 2 Corinthians 10.3-5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and even high, uh, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so we have uh, these, as we have reviewed these things, we look to our different purposes that we have as stated in the Constitution. Uh, in Article 3, right, we have many things before us, and we have uh, a lot of things that are very positive affirmations for us to 
continuing the work of the gospel ministry, we have no shortage of supply for things to do, right, uh, in kingdom work. Uh, I think sometimes we have a shortage of attention span for it, or we have shortage of uh, desire to do it, uh, but we are all part of this congregation for these very works. It's a glorious work, and these are works that will not perish in the end. These are works that, as we discussed in the beginning, will absolutely, positively pass through the fire. These are all good things that we can give ourselves to as a congregation, and um, we should encourage each other in these things. Part of, part of um, uh, these things is, and the importance of these things is just being a healthy church member, period. Showing up to the means of grace is an important thing in accomplishing these things. Showing up and uh, being committed uh, to having conversations with brothers and sisters. It all starts there. And we actually, we cannot think that we are going to be a fruitful church that plants other churches and sees the glory of God spread throughout the face of the earth if we don't first have a healthy congregation here. And guess what? That healthiness starts with you sitting right there in the pew. Your Christian walk on a day-to-day basis in your home, in front of your employer, wherever it may be, it matters to the life of this congregation. The healthier you are, uh, the more it contributes to the health of this body. We are made up of individuals, right? So that is one way that we give ourselves to uh, the work of the gospel to the ends of the earth is actually by trying to do the very simple things, not easy, but simple things that God has commanded us to do in a day to, on a day-to-day basis uh, in our own lives. And it's hard, it's not easy, uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a worthy call. Uh, it's a worthy thing to continue to give ourselves in. And may, we, may God uh, continue to help us as we uh, seek to move forward as a congregation and give ourselves uh, to the good things that we've been given and not forget uh, the wonderful things that we have um, in not only our confession but in our constitution uh, putting them into practice Uh, it would be even a great thing and a good thing to contribute to these very things by just making it a habit of every so often I'm not going to give you a time frame uh, going back through the the constitution Um, and and giving yourself to these things. But let us, let's close our time uh, with our final hymn of the day. And then we will close in prayer after that. And our final hymn of the day is number 460. Which is Love Divine. Love Divine. I had a bulletin at some point. Yeah, second tune. Second
remain standing as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this afternoon. We thank you for the wonderful privilege of gathering once again on the Lord's Day for a second time. We pray, Lord, that as we are continually brought before your scriptures, that you would cause us to love you more and more. Uh, Lord, that our love for you, our love for our wonderful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would emanate from us. Lord, that it would cause uh, good fruits to flow from us. Uh, Lord, that as we uh, revel in the truth of your gospel, as we revel in how much that we have been saved from, how good Christ is, how good you have been to us, Lord, that that would overflow into the lives of others. Lord, that others would be brought into the fold uh, by our lights that we shine. We pray, Lord, that you would do these works in us for your glory. May your will be done in Christ's name. Amen. 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 We are dismissed.